Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Happy Friday morning and welcome back to Buckeye Breakdown. Buckeye is now on Sports Illustrated and uh, we are ready to go because the season is essentially here. It is uh, Friday morning, which typically would mean the day before a game, but for week one, it is the day uh, that marks the start of week one because of Thursday night's game against Minnesota. And so all of the uh, all of the thoughts we've had about getting revved up for the start of the season and for diving into training camp and and getting excited about position battles, uh, that is, it's pretty much all behind us at this point. We've got some answers, and uh, the Buckeyes are ready to try and put their best foot forward in 2021. Alongside Brett Hiltbrand, I'm Brendan Gulick. This is our season preview podcast, where we're going to chat a little bit about some of the, the biggest questions facing the Buckeyes here in, in 2021. We will certainly talk quarterback. We will talk national championship expectations. We're going to chat about some of the leadership on the team, uh, how the team can can try to um, make linebacker a strength after losing so many of their linebackers a year ago. And we will definitely talk about the secondary and the issues that they had in 2020 and how those can be best addressed. But, Brett, uh, it's fun to, to be here and, and talking about a, a season preview pod now that the, that the year is uh, essentially upon us. Yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, very much uh, over the 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 wild speculation that we've been doing the better part of the, the last <laughs> month. Let's let's talk tangible, uh, ta- you know, and, and tangible stuff. Things we can see, things we, uh, you know, things we can uh, actively kind of analyze and, and 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 you know, then wildly speculate beyond that. <laughs> There's always wild speculation. 100%. Um, Obviously, if you're if you're listening to our podcast after the fact, we appreciate that. But know that you're able to follow along with us live. Uh, we do stream these live on our YouTube channel as well. Please follow us and subscribe there. And we would love it if you interacted with the show. Leave your comments and questions, and uh, if they are certainly on topic and things that you know we can address. Uh, if you have questions coming into the season, let us know. We'll we'll try to get to those. But I think you you have to start with the quarterback. It's it's the most important position on the field. Um, and you've got a guy that everybody within the team, within the building, has spoken very highly of and very confidently about in C.J. Stroud. Um, but I think there is some element of you got to go out and do it. And C.J. Stroud has played very, very little uh, as an Ohio State Buckeye so far. And so now all of those reps and and all that chemistry that he's built with uh, the first-team offense – He's got to go out and show it, and he's got to be good right away because the Buckeyes open on the road in conference. Give me uh, maybe just off the top here. What is your you know on a on a one to ten scale? How excited are you that C.J. Stroud won the job, and how much do you believe he you know is the kind of guy that can really take this offense to a, a great high level? I would say my excitement level is is actually kind of tied directly to the expectation that I had that he would win the starting job, which was uh, in a lot of ways, I felt like it, it maybe was a foregone conclusion in a lot of ways uh, that he would kind of separate just simply because 
you know, he was the backup a, a season ago and, and uh, I, I find it really hard sometimes to unseat some of that, like very real, like tangible kind of in the room experience. So my excitement level is probably like a seven on, on a scale of, uh, of one to 10. As far as uh, what he can bring to the table, I think we've, we've, we've talked about it before on the podcast, the arm talent uh, is maybe not as uh, stark per se, as we've seen from the last few Ohio state quarterbacks uh, in that, what he can do, uh, and, and where he really separates uh, kind of from everyone else's with arm talent. I don't actually think that's the case with CJ. I think it's more of a, a the sum of all the parts. And I think that's a big reason why he's winning uh, and, and won the starting job and will we'll, we'll be out there uh, here in uh, a little bit less than a week. So um, I think it's in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's almost uh, a bit of an intangible thing in addition to, you know, obviously his, his, you know, just remarkable quarterbacking ability. But uh, I think the big thing for me is the fact that he doesn't get like a one or two warm up games. Like you would see it traditionally from uh, you know, an Ohio state football schedule that has, you know, uh, a kind of a random like West coast team that plays week one, then you play either an in-state school or, you know, someone a little bit more regionally familiar, but obviously not on, not even close to on par with Ohio state week three. And then usually that third game is a non-conference, you know, blue blood or something along those lines. That's not the case. You got to, you got to go on the road to a conference opponent who's been trending upward for a little while. And I think it's, it, it is very much a, toss you out of the boat and swim scenario for CJ. So that I think if, uh, you know, if you're Ryan day, I think in a lot of ways that is actually more of, for me, it's more of a solidifying thing, knowing that that was the opponent and that was what this team had to deal with, especially with the quarterback. And they felt comfortable enough making that decision now. So I think it's, it's almost, um, it's not comforting, if you will, if you're an Ohio State fan, but I think that there's obviously an, an unbelievable amount of confidence that they have in this guy, knowing that that's the first time he's going to get out there in, in real combat snaps. I have always liked CJ, and uh, perhaps, you know, maybe it's come across that I've been advocating more for Kyle McCord than CJ. Um, I, I, I think if I, you know, reflect back on it, they have a slightly different skill set. I think CJ is a little bit more mobile. Um, you know, I can't speak to leadership skills and things like that because I don't, you know, I'm not in the locker room watching these guys interact personally, and I don't think that's fair to, to speculate on that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I have repeatedly said the one thing I really do like, you know, between those two guys is I love Kyle's arm and I love his deep ball. Um the fact of the matter is Ohio State's got so much talent, uh, so much talent at wide receiver that no matter who plays quarterback, I really think, you know, they're going to shine this year. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see how accurate CJ can be deep down the field. You know, we've seen how how big home run plays can break the game open. Perfect example, uh, you know, when the Buckeyes were playing at Clemson and Justin Fields you know, looks off a of safety and and finds Chris Olave for, you know, something like 50 or 55 yards down the middle of the field. And and that kind of felt like 
Ohio State stepping on on Clemson's throat in the playoff last year. Um, you know, we saw again, it's the spring game, right? There's not a whole lot of pressure in the spring game. It's a fun thing for fans. Uh, it's certainly meaningful for the team and for players and reps. But you know, you saw Kyle McCord's first pass go 65 yards basically in stride right down the middle of the field for a lengthy completion and and had a lot of people kind of looking around going, okay, you know, this looks pretty good. Um, CJ won the quarterback job. He's obviously got the trust uh, from Ryan Day and and from his team. Um, I I am all willing to see what CJ's got. This was never for me a, you know, Kyle or nothing bandwagon. Um, I just like Kyle McCord. I think he's a really good quarterback. And I think at some point uh, that, that he should get a shot. Um, that said, there's no wiggle room to lose games. And, you know, if the Buckeyes, to your point, um, were playing Tulsa and Akron in weeks one and two, maybe you would have seen, you know, uh, a, a slightly less decisive um, manner in picking a quote-unquote starting quarterback, maybe they could have eased into it more. Um, even if you're not going to say that out loud as a coaching staff, you go play a conference game, you better have somebody that that you know you're leaning on ready to go. And then, of course, you play Oregon, and that is your one staple game in week two. Um, I like CJ. I think he's got a chance to have a really good season. I am excited about him for sure. Um I'm excited just to watch this offense because I can. I think they can be that good. But I think this begs the question, Brett, when you're replacing a guy like Justin Fields who's had the level of success that he had the last two years, um, who is clearly one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country over the last decade. You know, I, I'm, I don't know if he was the most talented, but, man, he is absolutely in the conversation as one of the most talented guys nationally. Is it fair to measure a guy who hasn't seen the field yet against his predecessor like that? Because I think a lot of fans are probably naturally going to do that. No, it's not fair. But welcome to Ohio State. That's what we do anyway. <laughs> uh, and 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 that's I, that's part of the deal, right? I think that's when when you sign up to play uh, at Ohio State. That's something that I think you sign up for. And and I think in a lot of ways, coaches. Um, have made that kind of that part of the expectation process and something that these guys are aware of, uh, you know, even before they step foot on campus. Uh, it's not fair for sure. And, and I think too, it, it, it we'll see this as kind of the, you know, as kind of the season goes along, but what it's, it's also not a fair comparison because of, of some of the, the, the football stuff specific in that what they, what Ohio state asked of Justin Fields will not be the same as what they're asking of CJ. And so that is uh, that's a, that's a huge factor in my mind as you know, kind of what responsibilities these guys had by, you know, towards the end of that time, Justin Fields was, was responsible for about as much as a quarterback can be. I I'm, very confident in saying CJ isn't going to be even close to that percentage. And so that is, you know, it's not a like for like comparison, but it's something that we'll do anyway. I do think that you are always going to be measured by Ohio State quarterbacks will always be measured by uh, comfortable wins and, and then turnovers in, in crucial moments. And, and do you that, be Michigan? <laughs> right. 
and and that's and that is something that uh you know CJ Stroud Stroud doesn't get the benefit of uh with a couple kind of you know warm-up games where he'll play with two halves and then it'll be you know 43 nothing and and then the game you know goes on from there with with backups that's not gonna happen he's probably playing the whole game against Minnesota unless something crazy happens like they stink and we didn't know that you know so um it's kind of a, you know, hit the ground at a full sprint a little bit. And I think because that's what he's facing, he's going to be responsible for a little bit less. I think a lot of the uh, schematics will be easier for him. I think that was something that really stood out to me uh, early on in Dwayne Haskins, Ohio state career was really worked hard to get him very easy uh, completions uh, making sure that they were really able to pre-snap eliminate kind of one side of the field. And so he only had to work off of that one shoulder, that first, maybe second read. And then as he grew in confidence, the playbook got a little bit bigger and a little bit more open. And then all of a sudden he was calling protections. And then he, and then by the end, he, you know, he had, he had basically full pre-snap play calling duties and, uh, and then was able to kind of change plays from there. And, and so um, I, I think that'll be a little bit of the case with Stroud this year and that he'll, he'll essentially have to kind of, he has like three tasks. And once he passes those, then like, then there'll be six. And then once you get to six, you go to, you know, beyond that. And so uh, it'll be, it'll be spoon fed a little bit, I think early on, the issue is, and the and I think the concern for these guys is that it's not a cupcake opponent. Let's uh, let's move maybe to another position here on the offense. Um, you know, I know you want to talk about running back. I, I think this running back room is as deep as it's been at Ohio State in a couple of years. Um, Tony Alford has raved about the guys within this room. You know, the, the the biggest, most obvious component is that you've got a returning starter in Master Teague. Um, I don't I don't know if Master Teague is quite Ezekiel Elliott or J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. you know, uh, level talent, but he is certainly a very good running back. Um, as J.K.'s backup, he ran for a thousand yards and, and was a, you know, a third team all Big Ten guy. Um you know, will he be the bell cow back all season? Will the Buckeyes even have one throughout the course of the year? Uh, how many carries is Mayan Williams going to get? And and what are we going to see from freshman star, we think, freshman star Travion Henderson? Um, it's it's my anticipation that, you know, Master's probably going to see, at least as, you know, the quote-unquote starter and the incumbent, I don't think he's done anything to lose the job. Um but I think the Buckeyes have some real depth behind him, and and I do think there's going to be some, you know, some sharing of carries there. Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I I think Master will be the guy you see jump out there in that first series. Um, I kind of think they we've seen this in the past from Ohio State with uh, under under Urban Meyer, where essentially running back there isn't necessarily like a quote unquote starter. It's a first series, second series, third series. Uh, kind of situation. So I would not be surprised, you know, that second series to see Henderson come out or Maya Williams to come out. Um, 
and and then they go from there. I think too, you have to remember that Master T is coming off an injury, and in that while he has like a clean bill of health, I think that is something that they're going to have to manage a little bit. Um, and kind of what that looks like as far as wear and tear goes, uh, from his standpoint. And I going along with that the fact that there's a tremendous amount of depth in this room, as far as guys that I believe that they, they trust uh, that, you know, aids them in kind of this process. But I, I think master will probably get the lion's share of the um, meaningful snaps, so to speak. But I think what we saw in flashes from mine Williams towards the end, uh, you know, of the season with especially, you know, in the college football playoff, that, that those handful of runs that were just so dynamic was, uh, you know, was kind of like, you know, like there's that kid from Winton Woods who like single-handedly dominated games, you know, down in Cincinnati for a while, right? And like, I, I think with with Travion, in a lot of ways, is kind of a similar situation where it was like we know like the high school tape is out of this world. What does it look like at that next level? And certainly I think like, you know, he's kind of one of those guys who's got a high floor, high ceiling. And I, I would be shocked if he doesn't, you know, get get some snaps, you know, in there and and uh and really like I you know, showcase kind of that jump that a lot of times you see from guys, you know, coming into this season. Ryan Day was asked about uh Travion specifically and you know, has he had any of those like eye popping moments in practice that that so uh, easily jump off, you know, a highlight film at you. And and Ryan kind of side-eyed the reporter that asked a little bit, had a little smile. He goes, a couple. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it was clear that that uh, Trevion has, has made an impression um, uh, on on the coaching staff. And I, I just think he's going to – there's going to have to be a way that he, he figures into this offense somewhere along the way. Uh, and you're right, Mayan Williams in the playoff last year was very, very good. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he doesn't like the nickname meatball that he had kind of been, uh, kind of been given, I guess, uh, he prefers pork chop, which I guess one of his teammates called him. So we can call him pork chop. That's fine. Uh, but he, he certainly, uh, I think he's going to factor into this offense too. He, he, he really has, uh, looked good so far in camp. Um, couple guys on the offensive side that came back that we, I don't know if I, I would say weren't expecting, but pleasantly surprised. You know, Thayer Munford and, and Chris Olave, I guess a lot of us, and, and certainly me included, had just sort of expected that, okay, they're they're going to go to the NFL. Um, probably be first or second round picks and, and you know, go start their professional careers. Surprising. I remember exactly where I was. I was in the Newark airport when the news broke that uh, Munford and Olave were coming back. And I remember thinking like, Wait, what? Whoa. Yeah. Um, huge, huge. Um, and, you know, with Olave and, and the growth that we've heard from Garrett Wilson uh, this year, I, I guess I'm, I'm really interested to see what the season looks like for those three guys in particular because uh, you talk about high floor, high ceiling. I mean, the, all three of those guys are first-round NFL draft pick type talents um, and have three of them on one offense is – kind of ridiculous yeah it's absurd i this is a fascinating conversation and i think it's it's made all the more interesting by what we saw with sean wade last year 
in the fact that Sean Wade is probably like a fringe first round, second round pick coming into, you know, going, going from two seasons ago and then into this, this, this past season and comes back has an unequivocally bad year. Now he changed positions. That's part of it. Um, and costs himself money, like unequivocally, right? Like every, every snap where he looked bad, that was like, you know, like cha-ching coming out of like that proverbial money coming out of the bank account. Um, and I, I, that's something that I kind of wonder if guys notice and pay attention to, especially like the, the dudes who come back that were somewhat unexpected, you know, who were on kind of the, the, those fringes of the first two rounds. When they, when they come back, essentially they're coming back to improve draft stock and, and improve status and to be able to solidify that first round pick because of all of the you know, financial incentives that come from moving up you know, those like maybe 10 spots, you know, going, you know, from top 50 to top 40 or whatever. And he dropped twice that. Right. And I, I wonder if the rest of the guys on that team who are kind of in that tier of players, look at that and go like, like that's not mm. going to be me, you know? <laughs> and because it's, 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 it was hard. It's frustrating to watch because you feel bad for him. Right. And I think uh, with, with Olave, especially who is a lock for a first round pick coming out of the, out of Ohio state last year. Uh, I, I mean, like I think a, a lock first round wide receiver, essentially what he's doing is he's coming back potentially to try and win a Heisman or something along those lines. And then you're guaranteed, you know, probably top 10, top 15. Um that's like, to me, like that's even more surprising than like a guy like Sean Wade who's on the fringes coming back. I, I, I was blown away that that Chris Olave decided to stick around. Thayer Munford is another one who I thought was maybe not a lock for a first round pick, but he's certainly on the edges and is coming back to basically try and solidify that. And I think. <clears throat> You know, that one maybe makes a little bit more sense to me. I think I could be kind of talked into that a little bit, but the Alave news was unbelievable. I was, I was like set flat footed with it. Uh, and so for me, like, I, I, I to, to be totally honest, the only thing I want to see from those guys on, on kind of a performance level is not get, don't get hurt. Sure. Like, don't get, don't get hurt. Like, that's like, I, when when they're in a position that they're in now, like that, like it's almost like heart and throat moments a little bit for me, thinking about what they are kind of putting on the line by coming back as opposed to jumping ahead. And I respect like, you know, guys like playing college football, guys like being in college. They, you know, and I, I think that those are all admirable things. In fact, I kind of wish we would see a little bit more of that in college basketball, right? Like, but the it's a little bit terrifying for me in some regards to watch these guys go out there and essentially putting putting 20 million dollars on the line right uh i I think i think essentially these guys come back because you know they they uh don't want to end their career on 
a real gut punch last January. I think that's, fair. I think that's, that's totally fair. They're here to try to win the national title. And and I think that's something that, you know, 10 plus years ago, we probably aren't looking at this and having the conversation in this tone going like, wow, I can't believe that guy came back, you know, because I think, or, you know, or, or didn't, you know, didn't go. Because I think it was, that was a lot more common where guys were like, you know, I'm going to stay at least three, maybe my full allotment of eligibility. That was a lot more common than, than dudes jumping now. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I mean, I think, I think the sky is the limit for, for Chris Olave, especially, um, obviously he doesn't have a dude delivering the football, you know, from an arm talent standpoint, like he's had, you know, in his time at Ohio state, both with Dwayne and Justin Fields. Um, but in, in a lot of ways, I actually think that means that this year is a year where he can really show that sure. elite talent, right? It was like, well, I don't have maybe an elite, elite passer at quarterback, and I still went out and did X, Y, and Z. It didn't necessarily show any drop off. Um, and I think for Thayer, it's like a it's like a you know change of position, right? Like showing NFL teams and scouts like I'm not I'm an, not only was I an elite tackle, but I can be an elite guard in the NFL. And, and that is that versatility, it, like as from, from an offensive line standpoint, outside of being like an out and out, like tier one left tackle, if you can be a, a guy that's versatile and play a couple of different spots, that's the next most valuable thing that an offensive lineman can showcase uh, as far as NFL ability is concerned. I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that both these guys, uh, and Chris and Thayer were, were named captains this year. Um, I think Thayer is uh, – I, I, don't, I don't know if it's more than Chris, but he he has some leadership uh, traits and characteristics that are, are really, really attractive to, uh, you know, next-level coaches, but also to his current coaching staff because they, they trust him like crazy. His teammates trust him. I, I think there is a, you know, a high probability Thayer goes out and has a great season. Um, even with a, a you know position switch, I I, I expect big things from him. I, I think you're going to see some cool stuff from Thayer. Um, where do we want to go next here? Why don't we go? Uh, why don't we go young? You know this freshman class. I mean, God, it's been talked about ad nauseum how you know how highly recruited they've been, the amount of incredibly talented freshmen the Buckeyes have brought in at positions all across the board. You know, you, some of them that you are certainly going to see at some point this year, Jack Sawyer, JT Tui Molo-Au on the defensive line. You, you might see J.K. Johnson and Denzel Burke get some snaps in the secondary. Um, Emeka Buka and, and Marvin Harrison probably going to factor in somewhere along the way in, in some uh, wide margin scoring games uh, at, at wide receiver. I think there's a lot of expectation around Travion Henderson getting some carries. Um you know, those are, are just a few of the guys, let alone, you know, guys that, uh, you know, might just come into games when, when you know, you see a blowout against a school like Tulsa or Akron or something. Um, I, I look around the, the field there, and it's kind of hard to pick an area where I'm most excited. But um, I, I guess the, maybe the best question in, in sort of previewing the season, maybe the best question to pose is which – Incoming freshman, do you think will have the biggest impact? Why don't we pick one on each side of the ball? 
I'd say it's it's Henderson and Jack Sawyer. Those are the two for me. I think I think what we saw with Jack Sawyer in the spring game, especially, I think, kind of solidifies that for me. He's not a guy that is it, that they're that they're gonna um, you know lament essentially burning a red shirt uh, for him. Um, I just think he's too good, and I think I think he's you know kind of the next that next guy, you know three technique defensive end that is like a, you know, a, a tier one, like, you know, NFL kind of draft pick much in the same, you know, kind of line as like Chase Young and the Bosa's right. Where he's that's, that's the next guy that we're going like, man, that's a top five pick. And we're just watching him get better and better and better as, you know, going through two, three seasons. Um, and to me, like the best way to kind of showcase that is what he looked like as a senior in high school and what he looks like now and the body transformation that he's kind of undergone. Like he was always like a big kid who looked like a freak. Uh, but now it's like, well, like kind of like, it's like yeah. a very, very stark uh, difference. And uh, that, you know, it was, it, it was like, it, to me, like I, I, I would, I'm really excited to watch what he brings because I also think there's a little bit of an, he has a little bit of an edge that I think, uh, um, you know, someone like Larry Johnson really like leans into and can kind of like co- the guys who have that, like he coaches really, really well. Um, and so I, I'm really excited to see kind of what he brings. I think he's for sure the guy on the defense defensive side, Denzel Burke, maybe I think could slot in there uh, a little bit. Um, and, and, and kind of curious to see, you know, and, and that's like a that's a that's a larger conversation about the hostage secondary too. I think um, JT probably will will get some snaps. I think to me, in a lot of ways, like how quickly some of those guys got the stripe off, right? Like is is a good indicator of kind of what we might see from them. Yeah, for guys um, that showed up in the summertime, you know, blink <laughs> twice and JT lost his black stripe. Right, right. So like, you know, I think if you're if you're if you're getting that you know, that fast, I think that's a good indication of where you sit um, in a trending way. But also I think it's a better indication of how quickly you move up the depth chart from guys who, you know, been there, you know, for a year or two. Yeah. Um, Offensively it's Anderson. Like I, like I remember um, I think it was Tom Luganbill was raving about, what he saw from him. And I think he's probably an ESPN freshman, all American or whatever that the new thing that they do there. So, um, and another guy who lost, I think is had lost the stripe really fast. Right. Yep. So, yep. um, but to me, I think it's like the, the one thing about, you know, recruiting rankings and, and everything about, you know, four star, five star and kind of what that means. I think when you are like the number one five star running back, it probably means you are like the most like game ready position out of maybe all of them. Right. Like sure. that, that, that what, what, especially Ohio state essentially what they ask running backs to do um, compared to say the other position groups that the, the jump that a, that a, you know, a, a senior in high school, going to a freshman in college has to make is a lot smaller of a jump, I think, than, than all the other position groups. So I think we're going to see him a lot. I think there's a little bit, given the fact that, there, that you know, outside of Master Teague, 
who I think will get, you know, like we said a little bit earlier, will get the lion's share of the carries. I think there is a little bit of a void behind him, whether that's Mayan Williams or someone else, that I think eventually you'll see Travion fill. Yeah, I, I think I'm more excited offensively to watch Emeka and Marvin. Um, but if the question is who makes a bigger impact, yeah. I'm more inclined right now to say Henderson. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I am excited to watch Travion play for sure. Um, but I, I just – there's something about – watching Emeka Buka and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. in training camp the couple times we've been able to see him there. Um and and obviously what they've done at, at the at the high school level. I mean they're especially Emeka's tape. If you haven't watched Emeka Buka's highlight tape in high school, first of all, what are you waiting for? And second of all, it is legitimately one of the best high school football highlight tapes I've ever seen. Like ever. It is ridiculously good. Um there's a reason he's the number one receiver in his class. And I just, I cannot wait to watch that kid get out there. Um, but I, I do think Travion's got a chance to make a bigger impact because um, he might be able to get on the field. Less guys in front of him. More regularly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, fewer, fewer you know, it's, it's really just a, it's kind of a numbers thing. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. Let's talk secondary here. I know you started to mention it a little bit, but obviously that's, that's a huge thing. A lot of people are, are keeping their eye on this year. They want to know how this defense is going to be better. Um, you know, it's it's been kind of a, a roller coaster lately. You know, a, a few years ago, the defense really wasn't very good. Uh, two years ago, the defense was unbelievably good. Last year, it felt like the Buckeyes were winning games in spite of their defensive struggles. How can the secondary prove it early in the year with some similar faces, Seven Banks, Marcus Williamson, Josh Proctor, Malik Hooker, I think guys that are all going to factor in early. How can they prove early in the year that 2021 is going to be a better season? Not get not get beat and, and don't struggle to tackle like we saw the secondary struggle, um, especially last year. The, the entire Ohio State defense last year ranked – towards the bottom in college football when it came to tackling efficiency. Um, and I, I've wondered a little bit about this for a while now because of how impressed I was with Jeff Halfley and what he did when he came in. And now granted he was working with first round talent talking about, you know, Damon Arnett, Jeff Okuda, um, uh, Jordan Jordan Fuller, yep. um, you know, guys who are, you know, we're legitimately good. And I'm not entirely sure that's what exists currently in the Ohio State secondary, maybe not to the same degree. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm, I, and, and given the fact that we have questions at linebacker too, right, with some inexperience there, that there's, there's some, there's certainly some situational and personnel specific um, football situations that, uh, it might be a little bit concerning uh, for, for, you know, this Ohio state defense and, you know, what, what that could look like. I, I I'm really sure that it'll be very simple. There will be um, uh, it'll be a pretty generic across the board. I don't think they're going to ask a lot of these guys, but I think to answer the question of like, what do they have to do to like, improve the big thing for me is is 
tackling and and then really really minimizing the mistakes in space like i i always joke with this i joke with folks all the time that like if i was like you know i i would playing like defensive back would be like one of my worst nightmares because like of, of how especially like you know if like if you were like, hard <laughs> a, a d1 quality guy like it, it is if you take one step the wrong way if you if you do a, a weight shift and you have the weight on your wrong foot you can get scorched for a touchdown like it is like it's not like you know, playing linebacker where like if you fill the wrong gap, well, there's probably another couple guys behind you to be able to, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, kind of cover you up. Like if, if you, if, if you don't get the the right protection call, you know, pre-snap, you're a guard nothing, you know, like it is, I, I, like, I, I get it like anxiety a little bit, like watching these guys, like if you don't get your hips around in the right, like if your timing's wrong, if your eyes are in the wrong place, you don't get your hips around on um you know on a ball over the top you don't get your head around like you look terrible <laughs> like yeah, they're they big. they are absolutely playing with no safety net and so i think i think everything that carrie combs and company can do to ease some of the uh burdens a little bit that uh you know we saw from them last year which was i think a, a couple things one i thought there the the lack of linebacker speed a little bit hurt the secondary a year ago and then you saw like compounding mistakes guys with eyes in the backfield a bunch and i think like uh you know certainly we saw like alabama take advantage of that um big time but um yeah i, I keep it simple um cover two cover three basically force teams to pick one side of the field uh and then and then tackle in space those are the two big ones for me um I think there's uh, there's a couple guys in particular that I'm really really interested to watch. One of them's Josh Proctor. You know, Proctor. I thought at times last year flashed okay, um, but I feel like he is in a more focal point role this year, where the Buckeyes really really need him to play well. Um, so I, I'm I'm going to be watching him closely week one. Um, you know, we, we really haven't talked here about the bullet position much, but Craig Young is an athletic specimen. <laughs> uh, he's 6'4", 225, and runs like an absolute gazelle. Um, I think Craig Young has a chance to be the guy on defense this year that Buckeye fans go, wait, wait, who? Who's this guy? Um, he didn't, you know, he didn't make a, a huge contribution last year. You're going to know that name by the end of the year. This kid is... He he is a, as athletic as anybody on the entire defense, no matter what position. Um, I think Craig Young is going to have a monster season. I'm I'm really excited to watch him. So um, those are the couple guys I'm I'm keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah. Um, go ahead if you had something to add there. Yeah, I was uh, Cameron Brown. I think is another guy. Sure. That, Cam Martinez. Uh, given the fact that you know getting hurt, coming back, what does he bring? Um, you know, uh, our, our, our mutual friend, Bo Bishop always talks about numbers and, and how, uh, guys who, um, at, uh, at Ohio state specifically, like 
the the better the number, the more indicator of like your playing time a little bit. And I think Cameron Brown going, you know, is number 26 uh, as a cornerback. I, I wonder a little bit about that because a lot of times those like if you're one, like the, how they pick numbers, like you go ones, twos, threes, right? And like a yeah. lot of times, like what's left over. Um, the fact that he didn't necessarily move up is one that I think one makes me wonder a little bit. But um, I, I, there was a, I, I loved what he brought in what he looked like at the high school level and what that kind of that tape looked like. And so um, he, he's one that I think, would be interesting to see it's 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 my dog's barking now upstairs uh he it's i I don't know he's one the secondary to me is like like marcus williamson and like what that means but like josh proctor i think is is by far the 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 guy that we're looking at most right because what you said was perfect where there were flashes of of like okay this is like the next like dbu slash bia guy right like and then looked like terrible at times, bad, 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 uh, safety play, really, really bad, uh, eye discipline in spots. And so there, in my mind, there's almost like, there's like kind of like a, a little bit of a redemption tour in a little, in a, in a lot of ways. Sure. For him specifically. I think, I think it's, it's certainly position group wide with the secondary, but I think a lot of these guys, have a bad taste in their mouth from getting flat out embarrassed against uh, Alabama and the last time we saw them. And so that I think only helps them. I think that's only a positive, but it's, man, I, I have a lot of questions. Let's say, let me put it that way, but going into this season when it comes to this group, just because what they look like and what they're going to be asked to do. Yeah. Let's tackle two more things here. And, and uh, if you have recently joined us again, um, this podcast streams live, but also available after the fact, depending on when you're listening. So if you are with us live on our YouTube channel or on Twitter, uh, feel free to drop in your questions if you're interested, and uh, we'll try to get to that as well. Um, you know, maybe maybe one of the biggest overarching questions about Ohio State themselves, Brett, you know, just how important is it this season to win the national championship? Ryan Day's in his third year as head coach. This has obviously been, you know, the the, the most challenging of circumstances uh, in the first couple of years to try and take over a juggernaut team that Urban Meyer uh, had had essentially handed him. And by all accounts, Ryan Day is is the perfect guy for this program, and he's done a great job. Really didn't feel very good after the 2019 season when the Buckeyes felt like they had one stolen from them in the playoff against Clemson, and last year. You know, the team hasn't really come out and said it quite like this, but they basically felt like they played Alabama with with one hand tied behind their back. Um, the the lack of ability to practice leading up to that game, the lack of guys available and healthy for that game with all of the COVID stuff going on, they just didn't really feel like it was a fair fight. You obviously have a little bit of a different team, right? I mean, that's part of the game, but you still have an extremely talented program and at Ohio State, the expectation is win the Big Ten, be in the college football playoff, and and be right there in the conversation, compete, and go win a national championship. So I think one of the, the, the overarching key questions is how important this season is it for the Buckeyes to win it all 
Um, you know, if if they end up where they were last year, are you going to walk away feeling disappointed that they were that close again and and didn't finish it? You know, do you need to see at the end of the year the Buckeyes standing on the stage in the middle of the field at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, which is not just hosting the Big Ten, by the way, it's hosting the national title game this year. Um, you know, holding the the college football playoff trophy. Do they have to win? Excuse me, have to win the championship this year? I, no, I don't think they have to win. Um, going back to what you were, what you said a second ago, all due respect to Ohio State, them at full strength still not beating Alabama in the national championship game last year. Uh, and I, I understand their frustration. It was 17-14 in the second quarter uh, without their defensive line. I, I, I don't know. They had a hard time stopping an offense – um, because they couldn't control the line of scrimmage, they couldn't get to Mac Jones. I am, I am convinced that game could have gone differently if the Buckeyes had their full complement. I mean, I, 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 I'm that. That just was that was just a different year, um, and I think in a lot of ways it speaks to a little bit of like depth and what what depth really looks like in that kind of that top tier of college football. Um, and oh, by the way, totally agree. The year before, the game getting stolen from Ohio State—that was awful. The Clemson highway robbery with two of the worst calls in college football history, uh, of which we have still yet to see any accountability. Now, two years running uh, from that. Good stuff, everyone. Uh, but going back to the overall kind of question, do I think Ohio State needs to win a national championship? No, because I don't think uh, winning a title uh, really influences or. or or I should say coming short, coming up short in a national title run influences Ohio State beyond where they're at. I think we have to be aware that outside of wide receiver and maybe in a couple spot, one maybe specific spot at defensive line, we're not talking about a team of absolute NFL superstars here. We're talking about a team that's kind of maybe – a year away from that. And so I think, I think a run is important. I think you showcase, uh, you know, all that potential and then you get necessary experience for a lot of these guys. I think with the offensive line and, and how big they are and, and, and what that might look like from a physically kind of imposing standpoint, but also I think from a, a downhill violent blocking run game standpoint that'll look a little bit like like oh this is the year but I'm not entirely convinced that it is so um I don't know if you can do it with a quarterback that hasn't really seen any high pressure actual game snaps I really don't think it's possible that that's that's kind of where I'm at with it I I think this team probably has the talent level to win it all you know in some regards you got to wait and see um, but I, I, but I am under the belief that they have the components to get it done, but I think there is a little less pressure on this group to win the whole thing based off the fact that they've got some youth and inexperience, especially a quarterback. I, I don't think it's fair, no matter who the quarterback is or who was going to win that job, whether it was CJ or Kyle or Jack, or, you know, if a transfer came in, um, without without Justin Fields returning, I don't think it's necessarily fair to just lump national championship expectations um, 
you know, national championship or bust expectations. But by the same token, man, you know, Alabama and Clemson are not backing down from it either. DJ Uyunglele is going to be a first-year starter at Clemson. Um, same deal with with Bryce down in Alabama. I mean, you know, they, they, they have the expectation of go to the playoff and, and do what they've done regularly. And I think that's where the Buckeyes are. I, I think it would be rather shocking if Ohio State is not in the college football playoff this year. But I think the actual question of do they have to win the national championship this season, I tend to agree with you. I think next year is where they're going to have a better chance to do that. I, and, and I think I think there is a case to be made that there maybe isn't given given the fact that all three programs are essentially starting new quarterbacks. I think there is a case to be made that maybe there's a power vacuum that needs filling. But I think that the fact that there is so much talent and also inexperience at Ohio State right now get in its starters, you know, it's 22 starters on both sides of the ball, I think is, is a factor. Uh, and I, I do think that this is an extremely motivated group. I think uh, overall, Absolutely. like if you were like, if, if we were to kind of wrap this up and be like, what's like the one thing that you really jumped out at you with fall camp, right? Like, I think that would be what I would kind of put my finger on was how motivated every single guy kind of on a visceral level, uh, on, on a body language level, uh, looked like like they look very very hungry and i that's a like a really really good thing i think for for this team going forward but motivated uh, in a different way brett because yeah. last year you saw the sign you heard the mantra you know about beat clemson like that was a focal point get back to that clemson esque game and stick it to them after 2019 you know they felt like it was stolen from them haven't seen a lot of that about, you know, beat Alabama this year. I think it's just been more of a, hey, you know, let's get back to, to uh, normalcy and, and you know, you kind of get a piece of humble pie in the national championship game regardless of the circumstances. I think, you know, it, that that's an internal motivator different than the feeling that was exuded from the Clemson loss two years ago. Yeah, agreed. Right. Like it's not it's motivating, but in a different way in that, you know, I, I think you you can't I don't think you can look at that game and go like, like oh, like beat Alabama in the same way that you did the, the season before. It's just it's just a different. There, there almost there was almost like a humbling kind of uh, aspect to it that I don't think you can kind of go into it with the same. uh tone that you did with the Clemson defeat the season before. And I think that's actually a good thing. I, I, I think this year it's about, in a lot of ways, I think it's about um, get, get all the experience you need to get ready for that stretch run. I think it's about um, being in a position to, to peak at the right time with respect towards uh when guys make that jump from kind of inexperienced to comfortable. And when that, when, when we always say like the game slows down. And then I think it's about embarrassing Michigan in their building and finally getting Jim Harbaugh out of that job and, 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 and showing once and for all a very finite kind of way that, that 
to, to, to really put a stamp on his tenure in Michigan. Cause if he loses, they're done. Like he's done in that, in that really he should have been done last year, but that's a whole different uh, conversation to have. But to me, like bare minimum expectation is make the college football playoff. Right. Yeah, like I, I, think that is I, so realistic. I don't really, I, for me, as given the landscape of, of the game and where Ohio state sits kind of in that hierarchy, that's bare minimum make the college football playoff. I think that's because uh, uh, what the what the Big Ten offers Ohio State leading up to it, where like you know, yeah, you're not going to play some good teams, but for the but but you will you'll be better by the end of that uh, by the end of that conference play because you have to be like there are some good like decent football teams that if you don't bring it, you will get beat, uh, and it's not like that in some of the other conferences. Uh, especially, you know, I think if we're talking about the ACC, it's most definitely not like that for Clemson. Clemson can kind of go on cruise control from that nine, 10 games. Yeah. With the exception of North Carolina this year, I I agree with you. Clemson is kind of the, the, the program to beat in that league for sure. Right. So like, I I think it is bare minimum. It's, it's make the college football playoff because that's what that, that is, is essentially what, running through the slog, the physical battle, the physical war of Big Ten conference play. That's the reward. And then everything after that, I think, for this team is gravy because it pays dividends for what this team looks like in 2022. So Ohio State hasn't lost a game within its own division since 2016 against Penn State. Obviously, the only two conference losses they've had in that stretch are are two really frustrating clunker of games at Iowa and at Purdue. Um, Ryan Day has not lost a Big Ten game yet, Um, and knock on wood, hopefully it it stays that way. Um, But I think as we we kind of come full circle, we've talked quite a bit about the Buckeye team in previewing this season. And again, I know we have some new viewers that came in. If you have some questions uh, that you want us to answer, please please put those in the comments and, and we'll certainly try to get to those. Um, but let's let's look at the Big Ten for a second here. We don't need to do, do a deep dive on every program, um, but the couple that that really you know I think are worth talking about. You've got an Indiana team that looks like they're going to be pretty good again. They bring a lot of pieces back from a team last year that surprised folks, and um, I think they are Ohio State's biggest challenger in conference. And then you've got Penn State and Michigan, two teams that you know are are tradition rich and historically good. Um, really proud and had really bad seasons last year. You know, Michigan should not be struggling to beat Rutgers. Uh, as an Ohio State fan, you probably love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that's embarrassing for Michigan. And and you know, I don't expect that Michigan is going to be quite that bad again. But I think Rutgers is a program on the rise a little bit. Let's talk about Indiana, Penn State, Michigan, and and just in general your expectations of what you think those three programs are going to put forth this year. First of all, I would say if you're an Ohio State fan and if you're kind of delighting in the fact that Michigan stinks and is like a downward, like a trending downward program, that's actually bad. That's a bad thing. You don't want that. You want you want Michigan at its best because of of a couple things. What it means then to beat them in the game and what that and what that represents both specific to the Ohio State Michigan rivalry but also in a macro level of what then Michigan brings to the Big Ten on kind of a prestige um, reputation type level. Like when Michigan stinks, 
everybody else looks at the Big Ten and goes like, well, you know, like when Ohio State runs the table, like it feels like they always do. And then it comes time to pick the college football playoff. And if Michigan stinks, everybody in, elsewhere throughout the landscape of college football looks at Ohio State and thinks it's less than good or not as good. So you want Michigan to be at its best because that actually aids Ohio State in the long run. I think the same thing can be said about Penn State. I think they're at an, a bit of an inflection point with James Franklin. I think they plateaued um, when they they had probably the best with what they had with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley in, in that stretch run where you know they went to the Rose Bowl and then missed out on the college football playoff. Maybe probably should have gone. I think I could make the argument back in, I think it was 2016, uh, that they maybe should have been able to go uh, over maybe Ohio State. Um that year, but um, I, I think you could have the best, you know, graphics, graphic design, you know, recruiting profile, you know, Photoshop video people you could possibly have in college football at Penn State. And you can have, you know, the, the best motivator kind of guy in James Franklin. And then you go out and you stink like it doesn't matter. And I think we 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 joke a little bit about Penn State you know, given its history and, 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 but that is a very, very proud football program. I don't think people realize, like, if you're not, if you're not maybe inside that blue and white bubble, you, people don't not, don't realize how much power the Letterman uh, Association has that alumni association that's run by Franco Harris, by the way, uh, how much power they have when it comes to both the budget for Penn State's athletic department and its kind of coaching uh, influences. And so I, I think it's kind of put up or shut up. Another another mediocre year and James Franklin will be gone. Um, and so I think you you have to kind of keep an eye on on them and, and what is probably a, a pretty hungry team given what they did a, a season ago. Indiana is fascinating to me because, you know, I think first of all, all credit to what Tom Allen's done there and, and, and being, being able to take what's like basically a, a football program that was window dressing for a very, very long time uh, into something that's actually tangible and getting recruiting classes that are like, like actually like showing up in like the first page of the rankings. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, until they actually like go out and beat someone, I could kind of give a crap, you know? Uh, but, but like, you can't look at that them and go like, well, at the very least you are primed to be able to do that. And that's something that I think we never expected to be able to ever say about Indiana football. And that is that, that in a lot of ways is about a big of a big of a compliment as you can get, uh, as you can give to uh, a Big Ten team, kind of in that in that kind of tier a little bit with with the football program and the assets and everything that Indiana has. So I think they're good. I think they, um, what they, what they want out of this season is is a very very simple formula, and it's beat Ohio State. Period. Point blank, and then whatever else happens is cherry on top, right? Like that they have, they have one goal 
this year, and that's to beat Ohio State. That's yeah, all. And, and I don't and I don't hear anybody in in uh, you know Indiana's circle or or from their campus. I don't hear anybody over there, you know, come out and say that. Uh, but I agree with you. I, you know, they don't need to kick the hornet's nest. Um, but I I think it's pretty clear they felt like after last year's game was a heck of a lot more competitive than Ohio State fans you know were hoping for. And they uh, have and they play at, like in. Yeah. In Indiana, like I, you have a home game, like that's going to be the most electric football game in Indiana football history. Probably. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the biggest game they've probably ever had, at least that I'm aware of is going to be that game. So, um, and then if they, you know, every, anything else that happens is a downstream trickle down effect. If they were, if they were to win that game, everything else is extra as far as they're concerned. Yeah. I, I expect Indiana to be the second best team in the Big Ten this year. Um, I don't. I don't expect them to beat Ohio State, so I don't think they're going to play for a Big Ten championship. But I think at the end of the year, when you're trying to cross compare numbers and things, I think they're going to be better than Northwestern and Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sold on Minnesota being a, a really, really good football team. Um, I think they're a middle of the road Big Ten team. I mean, don't get me wrong, like every team in this league has some talent. You know, I, I really don't think there are too many programs that truly stink. The Big Ten is, is a good league. Um, but when you're trying to talk about which programs are separating themselves, you know, right now it's it's Ohio State and then it's everybody else. Right. Um, and I think Indiana right now is the best of the rest of that pile. Um, I think Penn State is slightly better than 500. And I think Michigan, until they can prove that they can get it going with quarterback, which they have not done one time under Jim Harbaugh, um, at least not not the way I want to, you know, see them establish a quarterback in a legit offense. I I think Michigan right now is is fourth or fifth in the in the Big Ten East. Are they capable of having a much better season of course they're capable of it but I don't know I I I just don't think Michigan's very good right now and especially with Cade McNamara starting and and you know JJ McCarthy not winning that job who knows at what point he'll see the field or not um kind of feels to me like JJ McCarthy better be the right answer for Jim Harbaugh because I think he's running out of out of time um but I I just don't think they're that good and that's bad. I think that's that's yeah. Like it, really it's, like, it's not fun. The last time, last time we you know we talked about you know on on the podcast we were talking about the you know the Big Ten ACC Pac twelve alliance. I in my mind, we were talking about the health of the Big Ten and what what is required from a kind of an on field or on court performance standpoint. What is required. Uh, to continue to keep the Big Ten healthy. Oh, I think job number one, point number one, is Ohio State keeps being Ohio State. The next one down, and there is not a big gap between number one and two. Point number two is improve what Michigan, improve Michigan football and get it back to, you know, the 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 heights that they were at. And and I mean, I, I really 
it's so it's fascinating. I think for for people my age, you know, grew up in the '90s and what Michigan was, and with Charles Woodson, and you know, and like kind of a, the the amazing teams that they had, and and what they what they were doing, where where what they were able to do, and what where they are at now is like I have no idea how good they are. Like, how do we not know how good Michigan is? You know what I'm saying? Like, how's that even possible? And so, um, you know, we're we're, we're talking about like like where they rank in the big 10 East. Like we should be, you know what I'm saying? Like they should be interchangeable with Ohio state. Like that's, it should be a foregone conclusion in a lot of ways that like everything will hit, you know, kind of crux upon and, 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 and will be entirely weighed upon that game that happens, you know, two days after Thanksgiving. Right. Like that's like, that's what this should be. And instead we're stuck with like, well, can Jim Harbaugh get another quarterback for the 15th time in the last, like however many years. Right. Like it's a problem. And, and, and it, in, it has to be better because in a lot of ways, I think the the long-term health of the Big Ten as a conference depends upon Michigan being like semi-competent. And right now it doesn't look like they are. Yeah, I, uh, I, I certainly hope they can figure it out. I agree with you. I mean, the best thing I can say is that rivalry to me is a lot more fun when you beat a good team as opposed to when you're, you know, it, it's fun to hang 50 and 60 on them. Um but I don't think it's doing much for helping Ohio State's national, uh, you know, perception um, when you when you beat the heck out of your of your rival. That obviously is a good look. Um, but when your rival has not been good for a while, um, and, and and like maybe we should reevaluate what Michigan wants out of their football program. Maybe that could be a whole different podcast. It's just like, what are they okay being? And what what are they not okay being? Because the the recruiting gap has widened like crazy, and so if the talent gap continues to widen, it's hard to imagine a scenario where this where you know Michigan all of a sudden surges back forward in this series. That they've got to recruit better. It, it can't just be quarterback. They've got to get better players. Period. Um, can Harbaugh and his staff do that? I think they can. They just haven't been winning those. They haven't been winning those battles, and they've got to start. So um, there's no doubt, man. It is it is crunch time up in Ann Arbor right now, and I know they are uh, kind of getting sick and tired of of seeing Ohio State, you know, run train over the Big Ten. They are in danger right now in a lot of ways of of where Florida State was uh, maybe about a kind of kind of right right before Jimbo kind of came in and and really took them to new heights where if they stack up another mediocre season and they lose a head coach they, it'll take 3 4 years of punching above their weight both expectation wise but also specific to the the quality of recruits that they get because so much about college football recruiting now when we're talking about the four and the five star guys much of that is a is a trendy thing, and where, sure. and 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 where you sit in the overall zeitgeist of college football, and if you are in that kind of that that tier, like the traditions, I mean, like that, they, those don't matter anymore, man. Like I, I I like because if they did, Notre Dame would still be pulling in 
you know, yeah, I'm just going to say they right. matter, but I think your point is they don't have the same pull in recruiting. That they Not do. even close. I think, and, yeah. I, and honestly, we probably overrate them, and even at, as as low as we think they are down the priority list, I think they're even lower to you know to these 14, 15, 16 year old kids. Um, if you don't win, and if you look bad on national TV, you have no chance. You have no chance right now. Yeah. And, the fact that they like to me, like the best indication of like where Michigan was and where they were trending was pulling Al Washington out of out of that program and bringing him over to Ohio State. And what like who, who's by and large, like maybe like a top five recruiter in college football. And the fact that you got him to come down to Columbus after a handful of years in Michigan doing amazing things for a Michigan on a recruiting standpoint. That should have never happened. Like they should have never been able to do that. But I think that speaks in large part to kind of where that where that boat is and maybe how much water is currently inside of it and how fast it might be sinking. It's a problem. It's a it's a very real problem. And if they don't do something big here in the next year or two, we're we're talking about a Michigan football team that takes like a decade to recover. Yeah, very well could. And that and yeah. that is so so Yeah, so either that or you so need bad. a transcendental coach uh to to resurrect it somehow. Yeah, it, like in a like you're there. gonna if that happens, the overall health of the Big Ten takes a hit in a way that feels almost unquantifiable. And like that can't that can't happen. Like that really can't happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, we've hit on a lot of things here regarding Ohio State football. Um, if you, you joined us late in the pod, um, again, this stream's live on YouTube, but also you can get Buckeye Breakdown wherever you want to uh, consume your favorite podcasts. Um, we talked quarterback. We talked running back. We talked about Chris Olave and Thayer Munford returning as a big storyline previewing the year. Um, expectations for the secondary, uh, which freshmen are going to be the biggest impacts. We hit on a lot of things here and, and certainly talked about Ohio State's uh, college football playoff and, and national championship aspirations as well. So if you joined us late, you can certainly go back and, and listen to those parts. Um, the season is here. It is uh, it, it, with a Thursday game. Friday this week feels like Sunday will on a normal week, uh, and we are ready to go. Um, we've got a ton of coverage planned for you on BuckeyesNow.com. Uh, just kind statement of, of the century right there. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, kind of finalized up our content plan last night. Um, we'll have daily podcast content for you throughout the course of the week. That will also stream live on our YouTube channel, so please make sure you're with us for that. Um, we are definitely going to take a deep dive into some numbers, trying to break down some key matchups each week. Um, we've got, I think we've got some really cool content that you'll enjoy. So please make Buckeyes now uh, part of your uh, your daily routine as we go throughout the year. And uh, hopefully it'll be a long, fun season for the Ohio State Buckeyes. For Brett Hiltbrand, I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll get rolling. And, my dog running around. Uh, and your dog, who is just around the corner. Uh, <laughs> we've made a, a brief cameo. That's okay. No. Uh, we like that too. So we'll, uh, we'll see you again real soon. Again, Buckeyes now on Sports Illustrated. It's BuckeyesNow.com and right here on the Buckeyes Breakdown podcast.